Hey guys, what's going on? You got Dave back here from the office of the Attorney General and with me today, John Nixon, Anthony Luker. covering an array of different topics having to do with adolescent health and wellness in the digital age and the information age, which is obviously something that Anthony and I have previously touched upon and is something that really touches and affects all elements of life. So we'll just kind of jump in right now. Anthony, could you kind of give us a brief overview of what we're going to be talking about and why it's important? Yes. So I just want to lead uh, with thanking everyone for listening in today. Uh, Today, we're going to broach the topic of adolescent health and wellness in the information age. In this tech uh, time that we are in, the internet and social media is really shaping and reshaping society for that matter. So the scope of challenges is is shifting daily. um, And these vices that are pulling and tugging at our young people each and every day are attempts to to derail uh, their course of success. So we uh, want to make sure that we look at how we can help our children strike a healthy balance, a healthy balance where their mental health and well-being will continue to be stabilized, especially in a time where digital dependence is continually increasing. And it's good that you talked about the balance as well, because these tools could be used and are being integrated in a way, especially like within educational settings where it could be helpful for them to expand upon their knowledge and have all of this information at their fingertips, except in so many different instances that we'll be covering in other episodes and other parts of the series, it could be easily corrupted, especially the earlier you start off, right? So it's just obviously threading that needle and making sure that people are able to walk that line. And, and to further echo what exactly what you just uttered, uh, many schools have have titled it now BYOD, which is essentially bring your own device, which, which again is is a crafty way um, to to bring the devices into the fold of the learning environment. Uh, but at the same time, we still have to look at creating that balance. Yeah, I mean, John, we've talked about this in episodes mm-hmm. previous yep. as well, like how how you've handled it with your own family and Mm -hmm. how we've talked about device safety and setting up contractual obligations for kids. And when's the first time you allowed your kids like age wise to be able to have their own device? Well, I was kind of forced into it because my dad decided to buy the kids uh, tablets for Christmas the one year. There you go. And my wife was pretty upset about that. She was pissed. I I didn't talk to her. I didn't talk to her about it. I, until after he had purchased them. Mistake. Uh, and but what was really interesting about it is that we saw pretty quickly their addictive tendencies and addiction runs through my blood like blood itself mm-hmm. and but we saw behavioral changes pretty quickly and then but luckily with the tablets that we did get because we got the um the Kindle fires you can set limitations on them. so i think i think apple and amazon and all of these other people are setting these time limits, which are great, but yeah, it's it's a real thing because my kids' personalities will change if they have too much TV time. Or I mean, the Bernstein Bears wrote about this back in the day. That's how I knew about For it. Real? Oh yeah, um, but it's a real thing, and yeah. it and it can become an addiction. And with you know, all three of my kids almost uh, fit within this age range that we're talking about. Um, it's scary, yeah, because I don't like to see these changes in them. And and just see their their personality change just because of a device. It's it's scary, but it's also completely inevitable, right? Because of the way that society is transformed, and because of all of these things um, at at their disposal, and 
if they go to school and they're not, you know, in direct possession of one, they're going to be around people that have it as well, and they're going to be able to borrow it. So the aim of this series in particular is to make sure that we are just talking about all of the things and making sure that we're equipping, equipping the viewers and everybody listening out there, um, the listeners, I should say, with just all the necessary tools. So, Anthony, what are some like elements about existing on the online community that we're going to be touching on today? And if you don't mind, I'm just going to backtrack just momentarily. I like to draw parallels uh, in terms of our children uh, embarking upon a device for the first time and actually learning how to drive, right? So when uh, you are teaching your child uh, and preparing them to go take their permit test to eventually obtain their license, we don't just give them the keys to the car and tell them to go operate the vehicle. So it needs to work the same way. The same uh, approach needs to be put into place when it comes to these devices. Again, not handing the device over until the child understands the parameters, the limitations, and how to effectively work that device without making mistakes that are going to be critical and have an effect on their future. What I always like to say is it only takes 10 seconds to make a mistake that can have 10 years of implications attached to it. Oh, I've tried that out several times. Yeah? Oh, yeah. That's tried and true for you? Tried and true. So, uh... Anthony, and to that point as well, um, understanding those limitations and then if they step outside of the lines, making sure that you have a plan of action to be able to reel it back in and have a plan of recourse so that you can realign them onto the track, so to speak, right? Yes, that is absolutely correct. Uh, Again, in order for them to navigate the terrain in a way that is effective and ultimately safe for them, they have to understand what their boundaries are when they're using these devices. Right. So something that pops to mind almost immediately is um, something that we've spoken about before and something that seems fairly obvious, which is cyberbullying. It's a really prevalent problem in our society, especially with the younger people as well. Um, But there's other elements in play and there's other things that can be really detrimental to mental health for for kids um, regarding digital devices in this ecosystem as well. What are some of those things? So to further echo the cyberbullying piece, the primary component of cyberbullying that you see most prevalent in the online community is the social exclusion piece. Then, of course, you have the online popularity. Uh, you have kids who are being subjected to shaming on an everyday basis. When I have these conversations with uh, the parents at the different schools that I visit on a daily basis, I go back to bullying in the traditional sense of when we were all young, where folks did not have access to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, right? So traditionally, bullying would escape. You could escape. And home was usually considered your safe place. But anymore, with our children and their friends and their peers having access to them at all times, those who are being victimized and subjected to this kind of behavior are, are facing it every day, all day. It's a and continual ha- onslaught. Yeah. It's a continual onslaught. So you have shaming. What else? So shaming, again, the exclusion piece. And then there's also that that addiction, as John alluded to earlier, that, that takes place with these devices. Uh, again, we find, you know, in the shaping and, and reshaping, as I alluded to earlier, of society, our children are, are averaging, you know, between seven to nine hours a day on their device. That's insane. That's not cool. Well, even with my 16-year-old, I, I explain this to him in a way that he understands which is you have one hour on your phone a day. If that means you're texting, you're playing a game, one hour. That's for all activity. All, all day. And the, the younger ones have a half an hour on, like, devices, whether it's you're, you're playing a video game, you're watching TV, 
you have to limit it. So your boy Gavin, he's 16 years old. How does he do with those parameters you're setting when he might be seeing other people at school that he goes to school with that are his age that have full reign? He's a pretty black and white guy. So if, and he's a pretty, pretty good at following rules, but, and it's, and it's tough to know for sure, but I, I can tell there's, there's a little, well, no, there's, there's definitely symptoms of when I know my kids well enough to know if they've had too much screen time, they get this glaze over top of them and they just kind of act differently. It's, I'm telling you, there's this, a real thing that you should be able to pick up as a parent. And I've seen it in other kids too. That's all they think about. Mm -hmm. I felt pretty bad but first day of school i was asking these little guys at the bus stop with my young kids so how was your summer you ready for school no i want to sit around and play Fortnite all day mm. like i wonder what you've been doing all summer dude straight up like uh, there's a lot of people my own age as well that i know that are out of college already and they're still doing stuff like that because if you start early enough and you build those habits then you're just setting yourself down that path of mm. continually yeah, just doing it's that, a tricky I thing i mean all of this is tricky like just but as uh, you know, from a parent's perspective, you have to have boundaries. Like if you don't have boundaries, then kids will take it as, as far as they want and as long as they want. And that's problematic. In and it's opinion. interesting because, John, you're talking about the perspective from a parent. And Anthony, you're talking from the perspective of somebody who's been within the educational system. You work for our Office of Public Engagement right now. So you've got these really two different um, places that you're coming from. But it doesn't seem like one works without the other. You need to have all of these pieces working cohesively in a holistic sort of way where it's community-based, it's parentally-based, and it's educationally-based because that's going to really sort of encompass these young people's lives. Yes, and it further goes into the need for that seamless relationship between the school community and the neighborhood community. Right. And some of the other areas, specifically in the uh, realm of mental health that our kids are facing uh, in the online community each and every day is internet depression. You have uh, heightened le levels of anxiety, feelings of inadequacy. Uh, all of these things are, are things that our, our children are being subjected to each and every day. And again, if we if we're, we're not, if we are not, if we are not striking that balance in, in terms of that, that downtime that our children need, then again, it's only going to enhance itself that much more. Right. Absolutely. I love old school downtime. Old school downtime is the best, actually. I don't As, think, I don't think our, some, some kids, I think my kids do. I encourage it. Go outside. Just or go outside. Pick up a book. Or pick up a book. Put, close it. Close the tablet. Close the computer. Just go, go do something. Learn how to be creative. Think outside the box. Right? Absolutely. And all of, all of my kids like this, go, go, go paint here. Here's all the paint. Go paint something. Go, go, go make something. Go make something. You have a keyboard. We have a piano. You have a guitar. Go do something that's going to be good for your brain. And this is going to sound very old school, but I even challenge myself to sometimes actually find a location that I've never been to uh, previously without using Google Maps. I mean, can we oh, do that? That's, whoa, that's whoa, scary. Whoa, whoa. That's scary. Okay, now, you had me up until that point. Like, okay, I always okay. like exploring and going to new places, too, except you're talking, like, MapQuest stuff? Like, going back <laughs> going back to those days? That's You know that's still terrible. You know, Maps, MapQuest is still around. Good for them. Good for them. Uh, so, it, it's pretty interesting because... I no, was, he's talking a map. Are you talking a physical map? Oh, I, I can read a map, yes. Get the fuck out of here. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. All right, you're crazy. So uh, I was actually reading Business Insider in preparation for this episode, and something that resonated 
and really struck me was the fact that you look at these titans of tech, in particular, Steve Jobs and Bill Gates. I don't know if you guys know this, but they um, were very, very particular about how much time and access their children had to technology. These people that created the entire revolution that we find ourselves and our kids dependent on now, like Bill Gates they implemented do. a cap on screen time when his start when his daughter started developing an unhealthy habit with a video game. He didn't let his kids get a cell phone until they turned 14 years old, whereas the national average today is 10, right? You look at Steve Jobs, he prohibited his kids from being able to get the newly released iPad that he had created prior to his death in 2011. I mean, like, and he would frequently say how he limited how much technology his kids could use at home. They had bookshelves that were just stacked with physical books. He did not allow his kids to even read on Kindles. Like, the people who were closest to this and the ones who created it themselves seemed to have a very innate, basic understanding of the dark side to it and the addictive properties. Yes, and that, and if I can further echo um, Bill Gates' approach, it's always easier to roll something out in a way where there's already systems and a regiment that's in place as opposed to then trying to walk it back yeah. after the after the fact especially when it comes to our young people. Mhm. Could you but could you imagine if we would have actually listened to that or knew that or if, if we from were a society able to, perspective to say as part of the manual of these things right. limit your time. It's bad for your brain. Could you imagine if that would have happened? Like if we came out with almost a booklet, a how-to, a basic rules and regulations of it, um, 100%. It's easier because, Anthony, you're right. Like, once you let Pandora out of the box, it's mm. incredibly difficult. Exactly. Right? exactly. Like, yeah. how are you going to give a kid a device at 10 and then tell them at 14, mm. oh, you know what? I'm actually going to roll that back. Like, no, there's no way. The amount of you resentment. You would be the worst parent ever. Right. That's why I waited. I waited. My son did not have a smartphone until he was 16. And even then, it had... He had to hit these milestones from a maturity wide, you know, maturity level to to do that because I don't, I don't think kids are ready for that. I figured if he's old enough to be behind the wheel of a car, he, he can be responsible now. I'm not not saying that that's the way everybody should do it, but from my perspective, that made the most sense. And in setting those boundaries that 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 we're talking about, something as simple as creating a universal charging station inside of the home, where the child has an understanding that this is the time of the the evening in which I have to power down each and every night, so that universal charging station could be identified as you know maybe uh, the family room and or mm -hmm. even mom and dad's room. Mm -hmm. So that's like an actual, tangible, very easy way to regulate because of the fact that you're able to keep your it's like eyes a Pablo. on right type of mentality that's right yeah that's a really interesting concept no i've never read or heard of anything like that too but it's I so like simple yes and i talk to parents about that all the time because when we look at those hours that our young people are spending mm -hmm. on their device that seven to nine hours that we talked about a, a very minuscule part of that is for academic reasons right most of it is for social purposes it is absolutely crazy okay thanks for that anthony i really appreciate that and that is it from us Keep on listening to the series, and we'll cover a bunch of different episodes as we go along. Thanks, guys.